So good to be with you all this morning. You know, in, in the in the first service, as the music was cutting out every <laughs> every minute or so, I just was promptly just reminded by the Holy Spirit that we don't need music to worship God. We don't need all the flashing lights and the band, like we don't need it to be perfection to worship God. Amen. We can encounter and worship God, whether we're in the shower, when we're in the car, on the way to work, when we're changing a dirty diaper, when we're sat in our cubicle, we can worship God in any place, in any situation. And our praise is no less heard by God or valuable to God. Come on. Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn with me to Acts chapter 12. I feel like Olivia should be preaching this morning, you know. She's gonna, I'm like, come on, girl, preach. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. The title of my sermon this morning is, He's Knocking at Your Door. All right. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Herod here, we see that Herod had plans for this new church movement that was starting. He had plans to squash this. He had plans to throw in prison the leaders of this movement of the early church. And we see right now, it's like a showdown between Herod's intention and God's purposes. Because no matter what people do to conspire against you, no matter what the enemy does to conspire against you, all of it is working for the purpose of God. None of it will supersede the purpose of God and his plans will prevail. Amen? That's what it means to say, if God is for me, who can stand against me? Verse five, it said, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now this word earnest prayer, it's the same word used to describe Jesus when he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he says to God, not my will, but your will be done. It's the same word used to describe Matthew 7, 7, where it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. These aren't quiet whispering prayers. These are persistent. These are, these are like the kind of prayers that Olivia was just praying where everything in you, the guttural response to God is you're, you're leaning in, you're pressing into him. That is the, the, the earnest prayers of the believers for Peter. And I don't know about you guys, but I have kind of figured out different people in my life or situations, when I hear them knocking at the door, I kind of know who's who. Anyone know this? Like you can recognize someone by their knock. You know, you've got the UPS driver, okay? He comes to your door and it's like, bang, 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 bang. And you're like, oh my gosh, who's at the door? The dog's going crazy. The kids are napping. They've been woken up. And you're like, you go out there to look because you think, oh my gosh, what's there? And it's just like a little package on your door. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay. And then you have the, the neighborhood friend of my son who's like, knock, 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 And I'm like, okay, Stephen's at the door. And then you have, you know, your friend, your silly friend or something, and they like do a little, they're like, knock, 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 knock. And you're like, okay, they're here. 
And you learn to discern who's at the door by their knock. And it's the same thing with God. The more we spend time with the Lord, the more we have relationship with God, the more we begin to discern when it's his knocking at the door. And God doesn't always come in like a bulldozer or a sledgehammer. You know, often we think that God's gonna come and announce his presence to us, but often he comes and he knocks in a quiet knock and a stillness in our hearts. And sometimes we think that it's the devil knocking at our door to come and attack us, but really it's God knocking at our door trying to develop us and develop us in our faith and develop in our, us in our trust in him. And what the enemy meant for evil, God is gonna turn for good. Amen? Romans eight twenty eight. But not everything that God brings is nice and fluffy and cute. And oftentimes he brings something, delivers it to our door and we're like, I don't like the package you just brought. <laughs> I don't like the delivery system that you just sent it. And God will use things to teach us of faith or to teach us something that we can learn and grow in. And oftentimes we don't like that package that arrives. So who here has prayed for patience before? Anyone? Okay. Not just me. Great. Sometimes you have to be careful what you pray for because you know God is going to answer that. And he's going to do it in a way that you don't always like. All right. So he's like, oh, you're praying for patience. Okay, awesome. I'm going to use this situation to teach you patience. Okay. So for example, I'm, I'm asking God, praying for patience. And Aaron always jokes, I'm a backseat driver. I'm like learning. I'm working on it. Okay. But there is this one time where I'm driving to church, to church. Okay. Remember that. Driving to church. And I'm stuck behind this really slow car. Okay. And you know, the ones where you're like, can you please just go faster? Like you're going seven miles under the speed limit and like your blinkers or you didn't put on your blinker and you're just like, this is a nightmare. And you're like losing the Holy Spirit every second you're behind that person. Your anointing's going out the window. You're like, ah, this person is so frustrating. And so I speed up and tail them just so maybe they'll get the message. Nope, they didn't. Okay, now I see an opportunity to pass them. So I whip around them. You give them the good old look and then you go in front of them and slow down just to teach them a lesson. Anyone? <laughs> just being real here, people. This is several years ago though, okay? See what I mean? We're working on it. And finally, you're past this terrible slow driver and you look in your rearview mirror as you put on your blinker and turn into the church parking lot and they pull into the church parking lot. <laughs> And you're like, I got to do a loop-de-loop -loop around the block just so they know that I actually don't go here and someone else's car just showed up and they don't see me walking out of my car. So, like I said, this was several years ago, okay? God has taught me to be careful about how you treat other people. Um, but I say that because as a joke, but really... We pray for something and God then uses the situation to teach us that, but it's not always the way we thought he was going to teach us patience. And we have to learn to discern the knock of God and what he's doing in our lives. So in Acts chapter 11, the chapter before what we just read, there was, there was so much opposition that the church was coming against but there was also so much opportunity. This was an amazing opportunity for them to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the church to grow, for miracles to be seen. You know, when you're in a tight place, that when you are facing opposition, that's an opportunity for God, right? And chapter 11, they're facing famine in Jerusalem. 
They're having to take up offerings just to get by for the church to continue. And now James, one of the disciples, one of the apostles has been murdered by Herod and says he was killed by the sword, which most likely means he was beheaded. So they were coming after like the head of the church, you know, and Peter is in prison and they probably could have spared some of the other disciples, maybe, you know, like Bartholomew or something like that. But Peter, come on, he's the preacher. Peter is the preacher. They're coming after the, the, the movement of God and what he's going to do and the purpose of God. And he, James is dead. And the believers are still earnestly praying for Peter as he's in prison. If it was me, I don't know if I would have had enough faith to pray for Peter, knowing that I just prayed for James and look at how it turned out. But they're earnestly praying for Peter. And the, Peter is now in prison. So let's continue reading. Here we go. It says in verse six, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Peter was what? Sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I was about to face a trial the next day, my life is on the line. This is potentially my last night here on earth. I'm probably feeling a lot of stress. I know what's happened to my brother and friend, James. I don't know if I could sleep. I don't know if there's enough melatonin in the world that would let me sleep through that. But there he is, sleeping between two soldiers. And it doesn't say that Peter had faith for his freedom. It doesn't say that he had faith to believe that God was going to get him out. It just says he was sleeping between the opposition, between his soldiers, between his captors. He's sleeping there. And he probably didn't learn to sleep by, you know, seeing something necessarily with his own eyes, but he probably knew that he could rest and sleep in Jesus because he walked with Jesus for three years. And when Jesus was on the boat, as Aaron shared that story a few Sundays ago, Jesus is on the boat in the storm and it says the disciples were straining at the oar as they were straining in the winds and they were straining in the waves and they were straining through the storm. They go to check on Jesus and what is he doing? Sleeping. See, when you know Jesus and you know who he is and what he's like and his nature and the fact that he could rest through the storm, you start to, you start to realize, oh yeah, I can do that through my own storm too because I've watched Jesus. Because they, they were on their way from somewhere, a destination, and they were going to the next place and in between, their faith grew on, in that storm. In the same way that as Peter is sleeping in between his two soldiers on either side, he's resting and sleeping. Then it says he was bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. This is, this is Peter who is like arguing Peter. God's, Jesus is telling him, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. And he's like, no, you're not. No, you're not going to do that. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, but then shows up on Pentecost and, and preaches the gospel. There's something that changed in Peter that grew his faith, that as he saw Jesus moving in his life. And God is saying to some of us this morning that I can do more when you're sleeping than when you're straining. 
I can do more with you when you're in a place of trust and in a place of faith than when you're trying to get through on your own. All you have to do is sleep and I'm gonna be your deliverer. And so verse seven, it says, and behold, an an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Now, obedience comes before freedom. It doesn't say that Peter stood up and then, or it doesn't say that the chains fell off Peter and then he stood up. It says Peter was told to stand up and then the chains fell off of him. Oftentimes we're looking for God to to loosen our chains and then we'll get up and do what he's calling us to do. Then we'll obey. God, when you take off my chains, then I'll obey. But he's saying, get up and the chains are gonna fall off. And how many of us would miss that miracle from Jesus because we weren't, we weren't able to stand up in faith in the first place? And so the chains would have stayed on. And the freedom is the freedom from needing to know the outcome. The freedom is needing to know the details before you follow him. And everybody will say, I want to kill my Goliath. But Goliath didn't come knocking on David's door. The opposition didn't come knocking on David's door and then there was an opportunity for him to face him. What happened was David's dad said to him, go and bring this bread to your brothers and he obeyed and then God brought the opportunity for him. And how often are we looking for that to come first before we actually walk in obedience of what God is asking of us to do? Because it's in that place of obedience that that's where our faith grows. That's where we believe for the miracle when we don't know the outcome. Then, how many times do we think to ourselves the, the when this happens, then this, right? When I get my financial situation in order, then I will tithe to the Lord and give him my first fruits. When I am financially stable, then I'll have my children. When I get this promotion, then I'll do this. Whatever it is, you can fill in the blank for your life. But there's so many situations where, where we say to God, when this happens, then I'll do this. Then I'll obey you, Lord. Then I'll trust you. When I'm financially stable, then I'll be able to, to give to the poor. Because right now, I, I have nothing. And all that Jesus has asked for us and required of us is our obedience to him. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And we don't always see it. We don't always see the miracle because you have to go. Th- yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> all right. Verse eight. All right. It says, and the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around me and follow me. Notice how the angel still hasn't told him where they're going. All he said is get dressed, get up. So he got up, his chains fell off. Now he's like, now get dressed, put on your cloak and follow me. And he's like, okay, yes, sir. So he did He did that, not even knowing the destination. Verse nine, and he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was having a vision. So Peter doesn't ask where they're going. He doesn't even think this is real. He he doesn't even have enough faith to believe that this is actually happening. He's like, I must be dreaming. An angel has rescued me from my cell. It must be dreaming. How many of us have used like Apple Maps or Google Maps on our phone? Okay, GPS, yes, all right. Who still uses like a GPS? <laughs> a Garmin, Jarman, whatever. All right, anyways, but it doesn't, 
there's an option for you to click to see the step-by-step turns, right? But if you're on a long road trip or you're on a long trip, there's like seven to 20 steps on there. If I, if I wanted to see that, I would, I would get lost. I would forget where I was going. I would forget what the next step is. But if I put it on the other setting, I just need to know what's happening next, right? And often we want to know this whole end outcome. We want to know the very final step. And God's like, just one foot in front of the other. Just follow me. Follow my voice. I'm your shepherd. I'm going to lead you. I have plans for you. Trust me, they're good. They're good plans. Just follow me. And he thought he was dreaming. (laughs) I love that. Sometimes it's like, we don't even know what's happening until after the fact. Like we're not able to understand Romans 8, 28, which says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called called according to his purposes. We don't know the good part yet. We don't understand Romans 8, 28 yet. We don't understand that he's gonna work it all out for good. And it's hard to say that. It's hard to say it until you've been through it. And sometimes you just have to go through the motions and just follow Jesus. Just be like, I'm just a blob. Like, Lord, one foot in front of the other. Okay, I can do that. I can, I can walk. I learned that when I was one year old. I can do that. And he's like, just follow me. Just do the next thing. And we don't have to be Peter to be in a prison. Some of us are in a prison with depression or anxiety or isolation or trauma. And God is sending his angel to sending his light to shine in our cell. And he's breaking off chains and he's asking us to follow him. He's knocking on our prison door. He's knocking. Verse 10. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord and they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. So they come out into the city and they stand in front of the gate and what does it do? It opens for them. They don't have to kick down this gate. They don't have to do anything. God opened the gate for them. How many of us are knocking on a door that's already been opened for us? God's like, I've already knocked down your door. I've already kicked open the gate. It's open. The worst has already happened. Jesus died on the cross. That was the worst that could happen. But now he's resurrected and his resurrection power and spirit lives inside of you. Just get out of your own way. (laughs) Just don't let your anxiety hold you back. Don't let your fear hold you back. Just get out of the way. I've already knocked the door open. And then it says, immediately the angel left him. Immediately the angel left him. He doesn't, he has to figure out now where to go. (laughs) He's left there and he has to figure out where to go. But God is saying you have to go through the gate. You can't just stand looking at this open gate. You have to go through it. Your freedom's on the other side of the gate if you go through it. And us saying to God, God, I'm still here. Even though I'm in the furnace, I'm still here. Even though the enemy has tried to knock me down, I'm still here. That's proof to God that we have faith and we have skin in the game. And we're saying, God, I'm gonna walk through this gate that you have opened for me. Because the power of God, it didn't protect Peter from going in the prison, but it enabled him to go through that and come out the other side. 
Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Imagine that. An angel comes, his chains have already fallen off. He's somehow snuck past the guards and he gets through the gate. And finally he's like, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. Now I'm sure. It's like God has to literally take us all the way to the finish line for us to be like, yes, that was God working. I realize that now. That was him all along. His hand was upon me and I missed it. But now he has to figure out where to go. It's really important for us to know where to knock when we're in trouble. It's really important for us to know because often I love what Duncan was preaching on the other week about our bitter root judgments. Often we're stuck in patterns that keep us knocking back on the same doors that we've opened before and they leave us empty and they're empty inside. Or on the other side is something that causes us to fall into sin and temptation. It's really important when we're in trouble for us to know where to knock, for us to go back to the door of our Father, our Heavenly Father, and allow and go to his door. And so Peter, he knows where to knock. Verse 12, it says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name, other name was Mark, where many had gathered together and were praying. He knew that he could go back to the place where the believers were gathering and that there would be people there praying. And what Herod meant for evil, God has used and now turned for good. Because look at the faith of the believers, how this is gonna encourage the church and realize that God is a God of breakthrough still, that God is still working on our side. And many of us, we, we go back to a place and we don't actually believe, we don't have enough faith to believe that God is gonna do something. Like, do we have enough faith to believe that even though James died, that Peter won't? Do we have enough faith to believe that even if I went through something really hard last year, that this year God is still working, even though I didn't understand it then? Do I still believe that this time still he'll work and he'll work it together for good? So the people are praying and Peter's out of prison. Verse 13, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. So their prayer request is now standing at the door. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Oh my gosh, guys, it's Peter. Peter's here. Come on, guys, come look. Peter's here. Peter's here. He's like, hello, open the door. Hello. Verse 15, they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so and kept saying, it's his angel. It's his angel. They didn't even have faith to believe that it could have been Peter. They thought it must be his angel. They didn't have enough faith to believe that it could have actually been Peter. Even though they were those earnestly praying believers, they still were doubting that it was even their prayer request answered here in the flesh. How many times are we, do we see something that God does and we think it's too good to be true? And we're like, that can't be God. There's no way. It's too good to be true. He, wait, he, prayer works? He really answered my prayer? <laughs> but Peter continued knocking. Remember that persistence? It's easier, or Peter came knocking and when they opened it, they saw him and were amazed. I love this scripture and passage because we see the words like earnestly and persistent and insisting. 
And there's something about that kind of faith where we don't give up and we keep knocking and we keep persisting and we keep going after God that pleases him, that moves his heart, that faith, it, it builds us up, right? It builds us up in our, in our spirits and in our strength for us to keep going after God. Even when the opposition comes to realize that it's an opportunity for God to turn something for good in my life. It's an opportunity for God to teach me something along the way. And we just have to stop and ask ourselves, what is he doing? What is he saying right now? Because Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Do you know he stands at our hearts and he's knocking on our hearts and he's waiting for us to open up the door to him, for us to welcome him in. He stands at the door and knocks. And it's easier for us to lock that door sometimes and just go through the motions and fake it. I mean, faith it until we make it. <laughs> and to show up to church and to go through the motions and just lock that door than it is for us to open it to Jesus. Because even the believers, they, they didn't even believe that it was him. And God is knocking at our door. And Jesus is saying, if you open the door, I'll sit with you and I'll eat with you and I'll drink with you. I prepared a table for you before your enemies. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm your good shepherd. I'm your defender. I'm your way maker. I died and I live again. <laughs> and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And what the enemy meant for evil, I'm gonna turn it for good in your life. All you have to do is trust me and open the door and obey me and listen to my voice and listen to my leading. At the end of Acts chapter 12, Peter wasn't dead. Who was dead? Herod. Herod died. And God, here, let me pull up my, my Bible here. I want to read this to you. Sorry. Okay. It says here, Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea, to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food and supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by the worms and died. Remember, man's intention will never overrule God's purposes. Never, ever, ever. And God had the final say in this story. Amen? What, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good and for his glory and for his purposes. And God is the God who doesn't knock once, he doesn't knock twice. He knocks over and over and over again until we let him in. And he doesn't give up on his people. And we've seen that time and time again through the Bible and through our lives and through testimonies like Olivia as she's sharing that God doesn't give up on his people. God still appears in our midst. And find, find yourself a community of people that will persist with you, that will keep knocking at the door of God with you. Join a connect group. Join a, a group that, 
that is praying, believing people that are lifting you up, that are encouraging you, that when your faith is not there, that they're like, come on, God's got us. Come on, let's keep persisting. Let's keep knocking at the door of God. Amen? (laughs) He's not gonna let us go until he accomplishes his purposes for our lives. And that's why Peter didn't die because he wasn't done with Peter. He still had work to do. He still had lots to accomplish through Peter. And God's purposes prevailed in the life of Peter. So I want to invite you to stand. Thank you. God is here in our midst, right? Amen. And I feel like he's, he's knocking at the door. There's, an, there's two invitations. The first invitation is that God is, at, that we would knock on the door of God, that we would know where to turn, that we would turn to the door of, of Jesus and knock on his door. When we're in trouble, when we're not in trouble, when we're praising him, when we're full of faith and when we're full of doubt, that we would still turn to the door of Jesus and knock on it because it's always open to us. And then the second invitation for us is for us to actually open the door to God. Even though we don't like the delivery system, even though we don't like the package potentially that's showing up on our doorstep, that we would open the door to God and we would rest in him. Joseph Prince says, rest is power. RIP, rest is power. That we would rest in him and trust him that his, he's gonna come into our cell with us. You know, God could have just flung the gates of, of the prison door open and Peter could have just walked out by himself, but he sent the angel to the cell with him. And that's what he does for us. When we're in that prison cell, he sends himself to us, his Holy Spirit. And he comes and he shines his light in our cell and he says, come on, get up, let's go. I'm not telling you where yet, but let's go. Grab your shoes. Let's keep going. Let's get to the gate. I've already opened it. It's already open. It's flinging wide. All you have to do is walk through it. So if you feel like you've been in your own version of a prison cell, of needing Jesus to come and set you free from that prison cell, whether that's shame, sickness in your body, loneliness, depression, anxiety, discouragement, doubt, trauma, unbelief. I wanna invite you to come to the front. We have our ministry team because I feel like God really truly wants to set people free this morning. Amen. And if we could have our our ministry team and our pastors come and pray. But yeah, we're just gonna pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are our way maker, God. You are our good shepherd. We thank you that your door is always open to us, Jesus. We ask that we would learn to discern the knocking of Jesus Christ. We would learn to discern what he's doing in this moment and in our lives and in this season and that we would trust you, Jesus. I just pray for an impartation of trust and of faith to believe that his best is for us even when we don't know the outcome, even when we don't know the details, even when we don't know the destination, that we would trust you, Jesus. And we surrender our lives to you and we let you in. We open it up to you. Amen.